Hello, and welcome to the NES Podcast. I'm your host, Zomble, and joining me today is... So my name is Dakil, and I am the creator of the famous slash infamous Future Nintendo Hardware and Technology Discussion and Speculation Forums in both Reset Era and, as of right now, Femi Boards, which was recently created. I'm CMM. I am admin for Nintendo Pipeline, and we do a podcast too. So I'm I'm a trader today. Well, it's good to have you guys. Trust me. This is my first one. I'll get a regular guest, but I hope you guys come back for future episodes too. But what I really want to talk about was what you were just saying, Dakil, the Bloomberg thing. See, to me, I think they just mixed the two things up. I really do think they just had two devices that they knew about, but didn't realize it was two different devices. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, like, devs know one type of device and then the manufacturers know the other device. So I think before, like, the old model was announced, it was understandable that, like, Mochizuki got confused and thought that the two things were the same, even though may not be necessarily the same. Yeah, and he's had a bit of an obsession with this, too, going back since 2018, when he predicted that they would release a 4K Switch. And then every year, he's had an article about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like his, uh, it's like his, his, it's like his quest. Like someone, some people go for that, some journalists go for that one, want to get that one story, and they, they track it and track it and track it forever. I guess this might be his. Yeah, he's a bit Ahab when it comes to this topic. Yeah. <laughs> what I think actually happened, though, was in 2019, Nintendo probably found out about DLSS and decided to create a next generation switch instead of the instead of upclocking the uh, Mariko chip. Because the Mariko chip was going to be overclocked, as far as I can tell. They, they were working with a um, Tegra X2 for a while uh, that was overclocked on the GPU side. And it's kind of funny because... Nikkei, the uh, they wrote an article in April of 2019 saying that there were two devices coming and that the, the Pro was delayed at that point. There was an article about it, and uh, they got most of the stuff right in the article, except uh, one thing they got wrong was uh, the light doesn't dock, but that could have been a decision that, that wasn't in the R&D department. Yeah, I'm curious in regards to the light, how if at what point docking was a planned feature and if at some point it was dropped, I'd be kind of curious. My guess is that it's at the very, very beginning of R&D where like, just get like a bunch of like concepts and stuff to add, have to remove and stuff. And then I guess probably like fairly early on in the R&D to say like, we probably have to cut it since like, there's not enough product differentiation, uh, differentiation if we just allow the switch light to dock. At least that's my prediction. They could have gotten the, the tip from the dev kit too, you know, and the dev kit might dock. Right, yeah. I, I've never never uh, looked into it, but I, bet, I bet you the dev kit probably has a docking feature so you can connect it to a regular monitor. Yeah, I would imagine so. But in regards to the two devices thing and, and you know, the, 
the, the pro or whatever you want to call it being delayed. I, it, it's interesting because, you know, there was stuff going on then and then COVID happened and a lot of stuff changed and is still changing. So I'm curious where we would be right now, if not for that. One thing that I think might not, I think it might not have been too big of a difference in when they were planning to release it. I do think that Dane was always a, a 2022 chip. And Dane, of course, is a Copite 7. He's a NVIDIA leaker. And he identified a new Tegra chip that NVIDIA is working on for Nintendo specifically. His track record's virtually perfect. So uh, I don't think he's wrong here. And I think that Dane does exist. And it's actually going back to this Bloomberg article from this last week. I wonder if uh, Mochizuki, if he knew that the patents for the AI upscaling were coming out that next day. Yeah, that would be curious. I feel like that's just like a coincidence. It, it could be, but when you're when you're someone at like Bloomberg and you're you're going and picking this day for it, a uh, week before launch of the uh, OLED, I think he's just shaking trees. I think he's trying to get um, as much information as he can out of things. And he's even like calling out names of things. Cause I think there's one of two things, either he's just absolutely Ahab, right? Unless he's absolutely, this is his Moby Dick or he's like still digging, still trying to get information. And this is his way to shake the trees. I think it could be both personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously it's both. Well, I mean, he's been posting since 2018. Actually on that, topic I just kind of want to briefly address too because I've seen a lot of, you know there's obviously been a lot of opinions about you know um, because of the initial report and then it didn't quite pan out and then you know there's been all sorts of you know people talking about you know the um, sort of the the, the reliability of the information or whatever and I, I think people forget that like with a place like Bloomberg or a Wall Street Journal, though those those places and the people who work for them, they're they're journalists. They're they they are actual like you know they break actual news. And what I mean to say is that like this is not like some dude coming on a blog and being like, "Hey guys, I heard <laughs> you know <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be a a five terabyte F, uh, SSD in the new model switch." Like they have. This is a professional thing. I've seen some people sort of dismissing the information and kind of treating it the same as that. And I obviously I don't I'm not saying that the information is necessarily correct or 100 percent correct. But what I am saying is that it's not as tenuous as, you know, some dude just popping on the Internet and vague posting on Twitter or something. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between a guy working at Bloomberg, especially uh former Wall Street journalist um, yeah. who and, you know, a YouTube channel or yeah. or even like an IGN journalist, because yeah, I, they're come from the hobby first. Right. So, I mean, yeah. like that, that's how you get the job is you're you're in this passionately for whatever. But yeah, Takashi, I'll just call him Takashi from now. On. But yeah, so uh, I think that uh, he has a bit more. Uh, uh, professionalism first. Yeah. And I mean, this most recent story um, that, you know, he mentions, he has 
what was it like? I don't know if it was 11 separate sources or if it was sources at 11 separate um, third party studios. 11 different developer studios. Right. And that included Zynga Inc., um, the developer right. that's working on Star Wars for Nintendo Switch. Which is probably how they, they have a dev kit. In my opinion, it's it's probably a Star Wars project that they're working on. Yeah. And, you know, there's, again, there's been some conversation because obviously um, Nintendo directly responded to the report, which is not something they do often. Um, and also, uh, I think, I believe Zynga denied the uh, the report as well. Yeah, that's correct. Correctly. Um, yeah. And again, you know, that's another thing where people are like, well, you know, there, there's like two, there's two minds on this, right? So one of the minds is Nintendo is specifically commenting on this. They don't typically comment on stuff unless they're like kind of ticked that something is inaccurate. So there's a group of people that'll say, you know, um, it's, it's bunk because, you know, they said so um, in an official capacity. Uh, and then there's another camp that will say well you know ds Lite, 3ds6 i'll you know uh nintendo will announce stuff when they're ready to announce it and them making a direct response to that report doesn't necessarily mean anything and for my part personally i think it might be kind of both um just in the sense of maybe um some of the particular details or the the maybe just the gist of of what that product actually is it might not be 100% correct and that's why they've stepped in uh, who knows i also think it's both um especially when there was like a tweet from david gibson uh analyst in japan and i think the reason is why he said that nintendo is technically and i want to say that in quotes technically not lying is because as he says, so Nintendo says they are not supplying tools for 4K Switch, technically correct, as tools are often made by Silicon Studio, and B, no plans for a new model besides OLED, technically correct, as that is all that has been announced. There are always yeah. new models coming. And I think it sounds reasonable. Um, so on technicality, they could deny it, and then they're not lying in a sense, but at the same time, Nintendo does not want the Olamod to flop, so obviously they need to do something to prevent that from happening, and it's probably the best solution that they can think of. And I also think that it really depends how they market this next uh, this next device, because it might not be decided yet. They might be deciding, okay, is this Switch start to slow down in sales next year, and we just launch a Switch 2? And so they really haven't decided yet, and... That means that they're technically correct saying that this isn't a Switch 4K device. Yeah, the thing about marketing is that like it's very fluid. Like it's not like hardware where like there's a certain amount of time they have to finalize it. Like I think marketing can be extremely fluid. Like it could change instantaneously. Like at least much more so than hardware. So the marketing details, like if it's a successor, is if a mid-gen refresh. That's still pending. Yeah, I think we all saw that with the with anyone paying attention to PlayStation Three back in that generation, where they just flipped the marketing script um, almost overnight to save the PS Three. So that was a that was a big, uh, quick turnaround. 
from the marketing yeah, from there. And, and I think something else too is that, you know, the Nintendo and their products, they are very, they are very specific and very concerned with how the product is presented and what, you know, and, and the features that are presented and, and all of that. And I don't think they're going to want to have a situation where outside rumors define their product before they show it. Um, so, you know, maybe 4K is a planned feature, but maybe it's, you know, not necessarily the focus or maybe there's something else that's going on with it that they're intending to maybe talk about a bit more or something that's more you know relevant to like what their plan is for 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 bringing this device into the market and you know if you have an expectation from a widely circulated report that it's going to be something then and it might not necessarily be that when it's actually announced i think they're kind of being proactive about making sure there's not an opinion on this product before it even exists if that makes any sense absolutely and and it might even be the case where it's more like a Wii mote you know like uh not that it's an add-on but like the focus is in this completely left field design that they've come up with right yeah i mean nintendo is not typically a company um especially modern Nintendo is not a company that really fixates on performance or specs. Um, so it seemed odd to me upon hearing the reports that that would be, I mean, it, it, the reports, obviously they that's the information that they may have um, and is interesting or stands out to them. But from Nintendo's perspective, I'd be surprised if the focus of whatever this product is, is going to be, you know that it's 4K or, or whatever. It's it's going to be something else that, and it also happens to have that functionality. Yeah, if we take ourselves back to 2009, I'm that old. <laughs> Is that old now? We, we we can we can we can look at um the DS right, and we can look at what was going to be the 3DS, and at the time we didn't know it was 3D, so a lot of people at that time. We're looking at it as maybe a DS2. Right. And so we didn't know that the entire focus, the title of the system was going to be all focused on 3D. Yeah. And, you know, you take that for granted now because obviously it happened and people tend to forget, you know, looking back. But I think that's very important because, yeah, no one had any idea and that and the, the the focus of the product was that feature at launch it's absolutely crazy that they went with 3d i mean in 2009 there was glassless 3d was just like an amazing magic trick you know yeah um the other thing that makes me think that um this report is true is the software lineup for next year yes it really does feel like a a system launch type of software because the next the next rotation of games from the big impactful stuff is years off after this. I mean, there's not going to be another mainline Zelda for four or five years <laughs> there, you know, uh, yeah. you're going to get, you only really have a chance at um, a 3d Mario, I think in, in a later date. But I think with Odyssey coming out in 2017, uh, the 3d Mario team's going to be releasing something soon too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at the lineup, right? It's a lot of it is 
sequels to major launch window titles from 2017. Um, we have Breath of the Wild 2. We have Splatoon 3. Um, Bayonetta 3 is not a sequel to a launch window title, but it is a title that was announced towards the beginning of this console's life right after, you know, a couple of, of, of ports of the first few. Mario and Donkey... Or Mario and Rabbids, excuse me. Mario and Rabbids 2. Like, there's obviously... <laughs> A pattern going on here <laughs> yeah and there's also the rumored xenoblade chronicles 3 yeah um what's interesting about the xenoblade chronicles 3 rumor if i recall correctly is that nate said that that will be pushing the nintendo switch to its limits so i think there is that pattern there that leads to next year yeah i mean xenoblade 2 already broke the nintendo switch so <laughs> 360p handheld. <laughs> even even if, you know, let's say that there is not right now a, a planned hardware release for next year. Um, it's more, I think it's actually more an, more of an interesting co- conversation in the, in the context of just the Switch as a hardware platform that we're essentially, let's say there is no new hardware next year and let's say that you know, they are rolling with this for a bit longer. We're essentially seeing two console generations in one right now um, in terms of the release schedule, because typically, at least with uh, modern Nintendo, not since like, you know, NES and Super NES, have you had really had, you know, a huge number of same system sequels. Um yeah, I mean, there have been some like Galaxy One and Two, or like Majora's Mask, and you know, Ocarina of Time. But on this level, um, not so much. So I, I find that very interesting, just in general. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, I think that the main problem, main reason we haven't seen that, is because gener- the Nintendo generations don't last ten years, and so the next right. Zelda is four or five years away. The next Mario after this, after the 3D team's done is going to be four years off, five years off. So they can't do two in a generation like they did before. I mean, we got really lucky with Wind Waker coming out in 2003. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And even then, you know, Twilight Princess barely made it in that cycle. (laughs) Yeah. But... You know, it, it it is interesting because this, you know, there's been, we've talked a lot all over the place online about how, you know, the handheld and console teams have kind of come together to make this kind of super system where all the output is poured in there. And I, that this is obviously some of the, the result of that. Um, and so, you know, maybe new hardware is part of that. Um, I mean, it, I, I don't think it would be, crazy to think that new hardware would be part of it but I, I do find it really interesting that we're getting so much it's like a relaunch exactly and i think it i think that's why we're going to see hardware next year next financial year at least it could it could be launched at the end of the holiday or it could be launched in march of 2023 you know yeah but i i think honestly it falls wherever zelda does but um i think what's really interesting about it is that Unlike the Wii to Wii U generation, um, they can release titles on both platforms, and they'll just work. Dane is going to be pretty much compatible with anything that was on the Switch. It's going to use 
an NVIDIA GPU and a ARM CPU, uh, it's going to be able to run those games. And they're just going to look better and run better. And we're going to get more of a what we're seeing from Sony with the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, I think. Yeah, I think that the question um, period for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X slash S is longer than people have anticipated, especially with COVID-19. And before, and I also want to mention that Satori Wada mentioned wanting to emulate the iOS ecosystem in some way in terms of like editor successors and so on and so forth in terms of software and hardware. So I think we're seeing that in action to some extent. Yeah, I think that's kind of fascinating in terms, I mean, what, whatever, whenever the next major new hardware hits, um, you know, beyond something like, like OLED, what's going to be very interesting is to see how they choose to define that transition where they, you know, if it's, you know, in the past, it's usually, you know, you know, we ended and then we, you continues, but here it's not as, you know, it's, it's not as, um, we're not in a situation where that's really necessary. And I don't think they're particularly keen to just kind of rebuild an install base again. So, um, will it be considered like just a longer generation? Will they talk about it as if it's two separate generations and, you know, the previous model can still play most of the stuff. Like it's, it's going to be kind of curious. I'm curious how that will, the expectation will be set up there. Yeah. I mean, that's the big question. Uh, it, it really is the lingering question in my head is how marketing will deal with a new generation for Nintendo. Iwata, like you said, talked about it and they, they said they weren't going to do it anymore. They said they were kind of done with being hardware dependent on their platforms. Yeah. I, I think that what they're going to be pushing forward is uh, Nintendo Online. And I think that that is going to kind of bridge the gap for them. And they'll just allow, allow developers to release games on the old Switch going forward until they don't want to. Until the developers just like, you know, this game just won't run on the old Switch. So we're only putting on the new Switch. And I think Nintendo will probably be fine with that either way. Uh, for their own games, I think there'll probably be a two, three year grace period, depending on the game. And you might see something like a Mario Party in five years release on the Nintendo Switch that's currently out. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because the, their different products have different use cases, right? So um granted i know they they want they want to be you know on as you know m many systems as they can because obviously that's that that's helpful for for software sales to have that install base but i i am kind of curious on how they define some of those things if it'll be like you know every game that they're putting out for the next like four years or whatever is still going to run on the base model but runs better on the, the new model, if it's more of a hard cut, like the generational line is definitely now being blurred between all three um, hardware manufacturers. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see um, how many third-party developers are going to jump straight away into this new model, which I will call tentatively the DLSS model, or how many third-party developers are going to Wait a while and still continue to develop games for the Nintendo Switch slash OLED slash Switch Lite 
until they eventually transition to the DLSS model? I think in the first year, that question will be interesting, but I think by the second year, it will really just depend on the sales of the DLS model. Because if DLSS is killing it, right? If it's selling like the Switch did, then I think developers are going to be very quick to move over. Yeah. Yeah, and NVIDIA wants to continue pushing DLSS, considering that NVIDIA is paying good amounts of money to third-party developers to adopt DLSS. And... Right, and this is their this is their Trojan horse there. So, yeah, I mean, Switch is Nvidia's biggest um, biggest boon, and out of all their gaming related products, so you know, it would make sense that their their flagship technology that they're trying to to sell around would be in essentially the companies like. Um, like marquee partnership. And I think that the Nintendo Switch is also NVIDIA's first console related um, partnership where there is like a demand to continue that partnership instead of going all sour like with the original Xbox and with the PlayStation 3. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly working. <laughs> it's very clearly working. <laughs> and um, I know you just mentioned uh, NSO. Um, Zomble, but uh, back when you know Switch was still NX, or maybe even before that, can't quite remember. Um, the whole idea was that they would be transitioning away from a hardware-based relationship, customer-wise, and going to an account-based uh, relationship, which obviously pleased many. And uh, that's kind of been happening slowly over time but you know the the introduction of nintendo account and um my nintendo and the, and the connectivity there uh has led from you know tying uh mobile business to console business and you know now with nso um an online subscription service um and it's kind of interesting to see how see how that's grown and changed and what's about to happen with it because that is uh there's some big stuff coming up for that soon. Yeah, from what's been announced, we have the N64 and Genesis. And I think yeah. um, the N64 was kind of the hope and dreams for this year. But Genesis opens the door here. I mean, yeah, what, what comes in the future here? Yeah, you know, I was surprised that it was Genesis. Um, I would have guessed TurboGrafx, like in a heartbeat. If like there was another 16-bit system, I'd be like, okay, they've, they're, we'll have... We'll, we'll have PC Engine Turbo Graphics, and then they're like, actually, no, it's Genesis, and you know, they made a statement with that launch lineup. Let me just say that. Yeah, it's a great launch lineup. I have, I have. Um, if you gave me those two options and you told me to bet, if I was just not thinking about it, I would absolutely go with Turbo Graphics. But I think the reason that they went with Genesis is because all of those games are already ported to the system. Right, I mean, aren't all those games part of the Genesis it's, lineup already on the thing? So yeah, it's kind of a weird situation because the the way Sega handles those 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 products, Sega Ages. Um, yeah, so like Sega Ages and like the Sega Genesis collection, um, and then you know some of their mobile ports, they're all different studios and like different arrangements, um, but 
I do think what you're saying makes sense in the context of they have a very clear studio that has worked with that that content before across multiple hardware platforms and has shown um you know that they're great well liked well trusted and pr- produce quality results and that would be m2 now the rumor mill is that m2 is handling uh genesis i don't think it's been officially confirmed yet but that would be very likely as they handled the uh Genesis Virtual Console back on Wii. They handled Sega Ages, the 3D Classics um, on 3DS. They're the obvious choice um, for this project. And they're, they've worked with multiple of these titles um, before. And even in like competing products, like M2 handled um, the Contra collection for Konami, which has Contra Hard Corps on it. And Guess what is on on uh, on Genesis NSO day one? <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that that's what makes sense. And, and M two is really reputable in terms of um, their ability to emulate older games. I think they do a great job. They do incredible work. Um, I don't think there's a better choice for for a Genesis. Um, a large scale Genesis like subscription service than M2. Like easily it's easily the best choice. No other choice makes sense. That's why I think that uh if you're thinking about it, Genesis Genesis was probably the better choice just because it's all kind of round up. It's all kind of connect you know set up for that. But um you did mention Turbo Graphics 16. Uh yeah. I do think that's a possibility in the future. Uh I think that we'll probably see more third-party consoles come to this service. Yeah. And I mean, M2 does have a foothold with uh, PC Engine Turbo Graphics as well. They handled uh, the uh, PC Engine Mini um, for Konami. So it's not like they're complete strangers to that either. So, um, yeah, I am curious to see what other, you know, third-party consoles there will be. I was just kind of surprised at, you know, because I think most people expected, right? That it was they're expecting N sixty four and Game Boy, and instead it was N sixty four and Genesis, which kind of came out of left field. So yeah, I think uh, I think if I was like really hopeful, like with the N sixty four, I think I would want the Dreamcast to come. I I, I think the Dreamcast's perfect for uh, a sequel to the Genesis. I don't think. We necessarily need to go to Saturn, but maybe they will go with Saturn. It was just uh, there's a lot of hits that um, just uh, missed America in Saturn. Yeah, it's rough because even now Saturn emulation is tough, um, and um, and obviously, yeah, there's a limited sort of in, in terms of like the general population's interest there is a limited software library um that saturn presents um at least in the west um that would make sense in terms of like straight emulating it rather than like you know porting it or recreating it and and selling it as its own release um i kind of wonder the same about about dreamcast in terms of its releases i mean obviously there are still plenty of games that are are trapped on on Dreamcast but I I'm kind of curious what they're uh where they're at 
in terms of um, tools for for straight up Dreamcast emulation. Um, I know M2 has expressed interest in doing that, but I don't know what the actual, you know, if there's an actual plan there or not. Oh, I I don't know um, the accuracy that it would take, but it'll it'll run just fine. Um, yeah, Raspberry Pi runs the Dreamcast, you know. So yeah. It, and those those CPUs in there, they're equivalent to what's in what you find in the original Wii. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't doubt that it's very feasible. I'm just kind of curious what their expectation is internally for the kind of experience they want it to be. Um, yeah. Or you know, feature wise, or, or what they're what they'd be going for. I'd love to see it personally. I'm a big Sega fan, so I'll take whatever. I'll take Game Gear. I'll take Master System. Yeah, I think Game Gear or um, obviously they're the same hardware, Master System yeah. and, and Game Gear. So you could see either or both. And um, I, I'd kind of love to see it. But also at the same time, with how they've rolled out NSO lately, I, I wouldn't expect these things to happen really quickly. There's still, you know, the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, GBA, um, and, and even Virtual Boy. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> There's a there's a dream. Hopefully, you won't get like dizzy from the red colors. <laughs> I see. I I'm one of those five people who owns a Virtual Boy, so I'm I'll I'll be okay if if Virtual Boy uh, doesn't show up on NSO. But <laughs> I actually did own a Virtual Boy. I broke, but I I did own one. Uh, it was pretty cool, actually. I liked the games, but I did get a headache after ten fifteen minutes of playing. I definitely ended up getting a headache, but it was like worth it after over an hour or so. <laughs> it was <laughs> kind of worth I'm, it for I'm me. Probably one of the two people that will be willing to to play that for like three hours straight without a break. <laughs> yeah, no, Virtual Boy is great. Okay, so there's a rumor going around that Microsoft is going to buy some really big studio they have some big acquisition coming that's like as big as the Zenimax one hmm. so my question is it's really interesting how all three of these companies are kind of going about these purchases and I, I really i'm really looking at the consolidation of the industry happening whether anyone likes it or not i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll say it right up i don't <laughs> i i don't either but at the same time i'd rather one of the big three buy it than say amazon and then they shut their gaming division down after two years or tencent or tencent Let, let's be real here it's very easy for that for someone to go in grab a big studio that we love games from like pretend konami was great and someone bought Konami, and then they shut the door after two years, and now Castlevania is gone. Now all these IPs are just gone. They're in the wind. They're never coming back. You mean you mean what Konami did to Hudson? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the consolidation of the industry. But this is even... It's one thing when a, when a gaming company does it, you know? It's another yeah. thing when... Um, because they're still going to make games in the future. There's always a chance we'll get another Bomberman. And then Bomberman comes out and we're like, hey, look, Bomberman's back. Yeah. But but when it's Tencent, when it's Amazon, when it's Google, 
we don't know this. Apple, Disney, there's there's a lot of big companies right now that are going to be buying stuff. And I think Microsoft has a really interesting approach at just going, hey, you know what? Now these are ours. And if you want our Nintendo online service <laughs> in the form of Game Pass, we'll, yeah. let, you, we'll let you play. Yeah, it's, man. Yeah, you definitely have a point. I, I hate this trend so much. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think the first, as soon as you said Amazon, the first thing I thought of was uh, when they bought up uh, Double Helix after they had finished the first season of Killer Instinct and then completely wasted them in every single way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the big ones. Stadia, I was very scared of Stadia for uh, a while now. Because Stadia is going away. I mean, like, the reality is, Google, I do not think you're going to be a player in this field. And you've already said after two years, you're kind of done. That's next year. I don't. I, I've never believed and I still do not believe that Google has any understanding of um, the gaming market and will ever be a big, big player in that market unless they, like, put some serious, serious, serious work in, and I don't think they will, so. Like, Google's also a famous, infamous, I should say, about canceling projects left and right, so I don't yep. know why anyone trusts Google to begin with, because yep. they have shown that they just do this and then throw it away and then do this and throw it away, and then they, they keep doing it until they probably ran out of money, or... Yeah, and in that, like, in that scope of what we're talking about, right, in this... In taking all of that in, we need to be okay with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo looking at these companies and going, well, hmm, maybe we do have to buy in here. Maybe we do have to get them before someone like Amazon or Google picks these guys up. I'm not saying that it's a good thing. I think it sucks. But at the same time, I do think Microsoft is doing a really good job at creating a really compelling first party for that for that for their platform. It's it's something. I'll tell you that. I did not care very much about their first parties 2 or 3 years ago. Yeah. You know, they are they're definitely building up their their stuff internally, which I think is good because that's traditionally been weaker for them. Um and, you know, even recently, uh, Nintendo doesn't make many acquisitions, um, but the most re re recent of them was Next Level Games. And, and the rumor on that is that Microsoft was sniffing around um, there, and so they kind of stepped in and, and grabbed it. Um, obviously, who knows if that's actually true, but, you know, that could be telling for, for the consequences of what what's going to happen i think i've heard like the owners somewhere i don't remember where that like the owners of next level games was was planning to ask nintendo if they want to buy next level games and then i think nintendo here thinking that like there's a chance that other companies will buy agree to it and that's how the, they bought next level games and to the point about like the reality of acquisitions um, I'm I'm should think that we should think of this as like the lesser two evils, like in terms of, like trying to prevent Google and other big companies like Tencent to continue to buy out these co companies, especially if they're not really serious about 
actually making game development more so, like long lasting in a way. Yeah, I think uh I think that's how I was trying to frame it. Uh I don't really think that, you know, not having these big studios being independent is a good thing. Um but at the same time, exactly the point that we're trying to make, I think, is that we don't want these companies to go away either. Yeah. Um it, it it would be great if everyone just releases on PC and on all the other platforms. But the reality is that everyone has their own project. Everyone has their own problems. And we don't really want uh, the gaming industry to turn into what the movies direct or direct digital video uh, market is right now, where you have to have a Paramount account, a Netflix account, a Hulu account, uh, HBO Max. You have to have like, a dozen accounts to watch what you want to watch. Yeah. And we, we kind of, I don't, it, not to the extent of that by any means, but like recently I've been kind of feeling like, God, there are so many different um, gaming, like launchers and subservices and <laughs> origin you play yeah <laughs> Microsoft got, yeah store steam yeah. <laughs> Epic. Epic. yeah uh there was one i didn't even i always forget amazon has one too it's uh their, their prime gaming launcher i think everybody has a launcher but a bethesda had one i don't know if they still do <laughs> i think they still do even though <laughs> and there was another one too um that uh, I netflix is getting seeing. into it yeah, yeah, Netflix is, is, is I'm sure you guys have probably talked about that on your own podcast, but that is uh that is something. We have not touched that stone yet, and I think it's mostly because um at least on pipeline, I think the general thought is great. Or, you know, who cares? <laughs> um I'm I just in terms of Netflix, like I think we're just kind of very like whatever to, to Netflix. I, skeptical would be what I am about Netflix. Um but it is interesting, and actually, it's funny. Uh, an acquaintance of mine um, is up, is working there now, in, in that, uh, in that, that, that on that project. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what they're going to come up with. Yeah, well, hopefully, if they want to make it useful, I click on my Netflix, and it says, "Do I want to go to gaming or into videos?" And I click gaming, and it gives me some realistic options for streaming games. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be playing like Street Fighter or something like that streaming, but you know, <laughs> if it's Octopath Traveler, okay. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of funny because like the the technology that that Google came up with for Stadia does work pretty well, from what I'm told. I've never used it. I'm going to be straight up on this, so I, I could be very wrong on this. But everyone I've talked to who's used it says it's generally pretty damn good, and it's, my my brain is sort of like. Netflix, if Netflix had a partnership with Google, that might be the best for both parties, honestly. I, I've done a, a, it originally when they had Assassin's Creed on there. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, it runs okay. The one thing that I uh, that I discovered, at least with my internet, is screen tearing is pretty bad. And that actually uh, is the same problem with xCloud, too. Yeah, I I'm personally extremely uninterested in uh streaming for for video games but obviously there's a lot of people out there who who are very into it and you know obviously 
now we have Game Pass and X Cloud coming, which is which is going to kind of ingrain those two together. So it's it's, it's growing to be a larger factor. Yeah, um, I, I tested this out last week. Actually, I, I got a controller for my phone, and I tried a Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, oh, from Game Pass, and yeah, screen tearing everywhere. Um, the game's smooth running. Like, I don't feel like it hiccups, but like the graphic artifacting is kind of weird and i wonder if it's just because um the settings i have it at maybe is too high for the thing i'll I'll try it another time but like you said i'm 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 just curious more than interested yeah yeah same here yeah i i see my 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 mental my mental thought of when when we talk about streaming and gaming and this this shows how out of touch i am with that is that my brain immediately thinks playstation now Yeah. Which I mean I know that's still around, but like I remember at the time it was not a great experience. You know what I love? It was it Game Live? Was that what it, the service was called? Oh god, I don't even remember. <laughs> that's what that's what their competitor was, uh the one that Sony bought. It was Game Live. And oh. um, it was just like a very nineties thing in early two thousands. It was it was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Um, okay, so so going back to the original uh, premise of where we're going, do we have any ideas about... Um, so Microsoft's approach by big companies. I have them with by basically a publisher, right? Um, yeah. And then there's Sony's approach where it's more like what Nintendo just did with buying next-level games. Um those are interesting in that they're so black, they're so different, right? They're so different in how you would develop your, your first party lineups. And to me, I feel like Nintendo could go either way. And, and before anyone goes, no, Nintendo's not going to buy anything. They tried to buy Namco in the early two thousands. Um, that's a big publisher. Yeah. I, I, if they I think... had bought Namco, they would have had Tekken. They would have had, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, they, they like, would Dark Souls have even happened? Like, <laughs> would have probably been a no show, right? <laughs> I, I think um, the way that the way Nintendo handles ac- uh, acquisitions is where it makes sense um, for how they develop their products. So, like you said, typically smaller. Um, studios that they've cooperated with before or uh, a studio in which they see uh, a particular um, advantage or um, see the studio as an asset to their overall, um, you know, uh, yeah. And I think the best example of that latter example would be uh, what is now called nerd um, at the time was uh, I I can never remember if if they were called Moby clip or if they were called they had a couple name changes, but basically the, the Moby Clip and Act Imagine stuff um, that was used uh, a lot on the DS with like Prime Hunters and stuff. That that is a smaller company that Nintendo saw potential in, as in terms of like you know just an an asset for their organization at large and 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 purchased. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think that um, those type of um, smaller companies, tech type companies, uh, they're always really interesting. And that's 
the the tech industry is always consolidating. It always seems like it's just turning, you know, like, oh, we're just going to crunch these small teams into big, big groups. Like NVIDIA is always buying someone. Yeah. And so, so that's why I'm kind of glad Nintendo and NVIDIA are working together because they're kind of both too big to buy each other. Yeah, I think that is definitely a situation where a partnership makes the most sense. Um, and I think that's also kind of sim- a similar situation with uh, Nintendo and Namco right now, where they frequently collaborate, and that seems to be working just fine for them. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, I think that um, I think that's a, a fair point. Like, they tried to buy them. It didn't happen. And now Namco is making Smash. They're making Mario Kart. You know, they're helping out with a lot of different things. Um, yeah with nintendo and i think that works i i I really do but because this is a podcast and we should really try (laughs) to have a little fun what if you were nintendo and let's say you have a sony type of purchase or microsoft type of purchase um what what studios are you picking up as a microsoft one and as a sony one I actually thought about this earlier um, when you when you mentioned the subject, uh, and I had this bolt of lightning sort of hit me um, while I was thinking about it. And this would be the the Sony category of small um, purchase. Um, and bear with me on this one. Um, this isn't really much of a studio purchase because it's actually not really a studio at this point, so much as it is an IP. Um, really like and Nintendo and Treasure have a, but have some history. They they made Sin and Punishment, um, and Sin and Punishment two together. Uh, Treasure developed Wario World. Um, Treasure ha- is pretty well respected. Um, in terms of its IP, everything from Gunstar Heroes to, you know, uh, Radiant Silver Gun and Ikaruga. Um, and so they they are a niche company. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like if if anyone ends up buying out treasure i feel like that would be a very nintendo purchase just for their stable of ip and potentially even attracting previous talent from from um that company um to to work on on um you know stuff in the future i just think there is a it it would be it would be interesting as like a small acquisition uh, for towards enthusiasts, I guess, um, because obviously Treasure does pretty niche stuff. I do want to add something to what you're saying right now before you before you move on. Uh, Nintendo also likes mixing um, their developers, right? They like uh, pulling in talents and moving. You know, what would be really cool is to see an F Zero by Shinin and Treasure. Yeah, I know Shinnin's often been been talked about as They're really uh, small though. Yeah, well they're very small and I at least from what I can tell they're content to stay that way but um yeah, obviously they have great experience working on Nintendo hardware. Um uh, Yeah, I'm I'm curious what that um could lead to as well. I mean, and that's that's an actual studio as opposed to, you know, again, Treasure's just sort of a yeah, they're almost like index was. Yeah, they they kind of just hold hold rights to 
to their to their IP and, and bring that IP to, to new systems at this point. Which is the saddest thing, by the way. Yeah, One of the, the biggest crimes of, of this industry. So what's your big studio? Did you have one? Um, I'm gonna have to think about that. I'm I'm passing the buck here. <laughs> someone else, someone else can go. Dak Hill, do you have a small or big acquisition you think would be interesting for Nintendo? Um, I definitely think Grezo could be mm. another one because most I think believe most of the games that Grezo has developed is for Nintendo consoles, especially Ocarina of Time 3D, Majora's Mask 3D, and Link's Awakening, and Me- and the most recent game, Miitopia. You know, yeah. I wonder if Nintendo's just waiting, uh, waiting for um, kind of proof that they're going to be able to do HD development well. I mean, Awakening was a good start, but they need another you know, switch from the ground up title, I feel like, before Nintendo will bite. But that that is an interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely on the short list for me. Yeah, if I were to think about it, like, outside of, you know, random hopes and dreams of treasure being saved. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love treasure. I'd love to see them, too. Um, so I've got one that's a small one. Uh, small in a different way, maybe. Maybe some people think it's big. Um, level five. Oh, right. And, and I was yeah. thinking about a week ago, um, Pokemon company should buy them, right? Pokemon company should, the only reason level five isn't still like on top of the Japanese hill is because they don't have a Pokemon game. <laughs> That's whenever they have a Pokemon like level game in terms of media, they're, they're off to the races. They're making tons of money. Um, they're really good at making those type of media type games, but Nintendo could really use someone like that, especially with their move into movies and stuff. It'd be really great to see like the Kirby cartoon type of world expanded in, in through their games rather than just, uh, you know, kissing after getting a power up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, with, with, um, level five is interesting because whenever level five brings out a new IP, um, which is often, um, they sort of try to build it from the ground up as sort of this multimedia like titan right out of the gate. Like they, they, they wanted Snack World to be big and had like you know an anime and and manga and merchandise and you know the game like all kind of ready to to go at once. And that's sort of how they they kind of go all in on. Uh... Yeah, and they're and they're very live and die. You know, they're very yeah. like gambling every single time and that's why i think nintendo um buying level five makes a lot of sense because they already have all the ips they need they can turn any of those into a media you know thing of the level that you know the soccer game by them oh in azuma 11 yeah you can you can totally turn any nintendo ip into that or better yeah yeah speak about level five um they also are responsible for one of my favorite Dragon Quest games, Dragon Quest Eight, and also they worked on Dragon Quest Nine as well. So Level Five does have a very special place in my heart, and it and it personally hurts me when I hear Level Five not doing well at all, and then having to cancel games and stuff. So I I think Level Five could be a 
good choice for Nintendo, especially if like Level Five can continue to go back to when they're creating really good games like the first Nino Kuni, the Dragon Quest Eight, and etc. and stuff. Yeah, my my wife isn't like a hardcore gamer, um, although she does, she is the completionist in the household. Um, but she loved Professor Layton. Like when she finished the the regular series, she she uh, texted me that she was crying. You know, <laughs> that game that game hit her hard. Like she is like, why am I crying? So, uh, but so level five's got. A lot i'm not I, i'm not just picking them because they're just like a fish on they're just right you know that they, they kind of fit what nintendo needs in that level of um you know a smaller studio because i kind of s- still think of them as smaller studio they're only making one or two games a year kind of thing um they make beautiful games nino kuni's absolutely gorgeous but yeah i i think i would love to see that that particular purchase i've been thinking about it for a week i i have one for big um which i'm not personally crazy about but is a kind of another situation where it's like lesser of two evils in a sense um and it's a company that i think the comp what i'm thinking of is sega um and i say big because that is sega atlas they have a huge stable of IP. The companies have huge history together, working together. Um, I think in terms of, you know, um, just like, you know, obviously they've, they're partnering on Genesis NSO, but just the idea of having like Mario and Sonic under the same house is kind of, kind of wild to think about. Um, not to mention the massive, history of uh, Sega's hardware um, legacy and, and stable of IP um, and, you know, Atlas, which could you imagine the, the, <laughs> the explosion if, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, the Persona series was now uh, a Nintendo exclusive. I, I feel like it would be Bayonetta all over again. It, it absolutely would be, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's another thing, too, right? They work together on Bayonetta. I yeah. mean, obviously, a bit different there, but um, I, I those companies seem to jive. They seem to jive well together and enjoy working with each other. And I'm personally, again, not a big acquisition person. I'd much rather Sega stay independent, but in, in a situation where it's, like, lesser of two evils... Um, and this is a fun conversation. We're not talking to Nintendo telling them who to buy. Yeah. But in, in a lesser of two evils situation, um, especially, I think, out of any big, especially big Japanese studios outside of, like, Namco, um, Sega is just the one that makes the most sense to me. Um, and there's so much to gain from that. Yeah, I agree because Sega has worked with Tendo after they exited from the console industry. And they have a very long partnership, which is not very common, uh, especially for a third party competitor. Yeah, and I, I, I do feel that they kind of fit like a glove. They were actually my choice for this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. I actually think that we kind of all think that Sega is kind of that perfect fit 
Um, obviously, Namco has history with Nintendo, but I think that um, picking up Namco would not make a whole lot of sense in a way because they don't add a whole lot more than they're already giving you. Yeah. But if someone were to try and buy Namco, I think Nintendo would have to be forced to at least try to pout, uh, poach some some resources from them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I'm gonna have to gonna have to briefly mention it here because I'm sure people are thinking it. But there's a lot of people who are like, "Well, why didn't Nintendo buy Alpha Dream?" Um, and you know, I I I think that. Uh, there's a few answers to that question. Um, but also, they have poached some of that talent, and they did the same when when Konami absorbed Hudson. Uh, ND Cube is made up of a lot of former Hudson staff and Mario Party team members. So, yeah. you know, it may make more sense for them to, to, to poach talent um, and either disperse it throughout their teams or give them a new, you know, new, a new team than to, to, than to acquire. But man, just imagining the chaos that would erupt if the, the headline said Nintendo is, is purchasing Sega Atlas, just the ripple effect that that would cause on the, on the Japanese uh, gaming industry in particular, I think is, is wild. Yeah, and a week ago when I first was thinking about this, I actually was thinking, oh, Nintendo needs to buy a Western team. But I think Sega is just enough Western with things like Yakuza that is obviously set in Japan, but feels like a game that speaks to both the Japanese and the American audiences. Yeah, I think they just do just enough to get by on that. Um, but, I mean... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say they should buy someone like Ubisoft. Yeah. I, I, you know, ten years ago, I was thinking, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But well, nowadays, I, I, I think that Ubisoft is uh, willing to work with anyone, and they are big enough where they can fend off big purchases from anyone outside of Google or Amazon, and those type of things. Their talent can be poached pretty easily. I feel like too. Yeah. You know what's funny? That actually reminds me of another um, acquisition that Nintendo made that at the time was kind of out of left field, and that is Monolith, um, which you know they they handle Xenoblade for everyone who's who's not familiar. But um, and they, you know, at the time I think the the most they had previously worked together was in cooperation with with Namco on uh, Baton Kaitos. And so when the news came out that they were buying buying Monolith, I was like, really? You're buying the 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 Baton Kaidos studio? Like what? <laughs> but as we've seen, um, they've actually been one of the greatest assets uh to Nintendo since their acquisition, just in terms of their um assistance on on major um yeah. Nintendo. Breath projects. of the Wild, right? Yeah, Breath of the Wild, Animal Crossing, um, I think they assisted on. I want to say they assisted on Splatoon two in some capacity. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then obviously having you know their own content that they're creating as well is just like, but especially like yeah, like cooperating with like Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. Like that's pretty wild stuff. Their ability to expand into multiple teams is really, I think, what's going to carry Nintendo forward because mm -hmm. they really do need 
a little bit more software development because they're exiting the Wii U ports phase of a single console's life. They're not going to fall back on this. Do they have three? Do they have two or three years worth of games uh, stockpiled ready to go? I don't think so. So, yeah, not to mention COVID. What's the future? <laughs> yeah, what's the future? So I, I think an ag- I think all of our small acquisition or acquisitions make tons of sense. Um, and it would be really interesting to see, you know, a team like Treasure being able to revive even like a Star Fox. I mean, Star Fox, yeah. what are you doing with Star Fox? Treasure had, is kind of an interesting take. I had this like brain blast the other day of, of Nintendo, Treasure, and Platinum cooperating together to make a new Star Fox that has, you know, vehicle stuff that's like Star Fox and then ground portions that play like Sin and Punishment and my brain almost melted. You know, um, I actually came up with the idea of, uh, what's that shooter that Platinum made? Oh, Vanquish? Yes, Vanquish in in Star Fox, like that type of gameplay where you're like dashing around. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense for um, Star Fox's team, I feel like. Yeah. The game is about going fast in a, uh, in a ways, and even though you're on rails, so it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, yeah. But it feels I, I, feels right for that scene. Yeah, and you know, Sin and Punishment uh, is coming to N64 NSO day one, which is great news for me because I'm not a big N64 person, but Sin and Punishment is one of my favorite games on the system. And it's I would say it's between Star Fox 64 and, and Sin and Punishment as to which is the best, you know, rail shooter on that system easily. <laughs> like, there's not, there's not yeah. even any other choices. Um. I- I haven't played Sin and Punishment. I'm going to have to give it a go because I do love um, Star Fox 64. Yeah, it it's definitely different um, from that game. Like, it's not... doesn't play quite like it. They they have some similarities, but the um, both of those games are very distinct, very cool, and, like, they're, they're, they're a blast. And the sequel to Sin and Punishment is incredible as well. So... I want Sin and Punishment 3 before I die, maybe. Yeah, no, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. Maybe all of our predictions come true. You know what I'm surprised we didn't talk about in terms of acquisitions? Yeah, um, I'm surprised no one said Platinum. You know, actually, I was going to mention that. No one's saying Platinum. <laughs> um, Platinum would be great. Platinum, hands down, would be fantastic. I honestly think that Tencent wouldn't let it happen. Yeah, that's right. They they're they invest. They have some stake in them right now, don't they? Uh technically I don't think they officially have any stake in Platinum. Oh, but they did they did loan them money. So oh, maybe right. more like uh mafia type of loan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh sorry, I had to. <laughs> all right guys time to just everybody is gonna buy everybody let's just let's just well actually i've I, got a, i've got a yeah, question go for you guys um what do you guys think is the is if, if the rumor is true that microsoft is buying a big studio who do you guys think it is because i have a thought um i've heard about like 
crystal dynamics uh especially with the with like i think did microsoft announce or someone announced that like crystal dynamics is working microsoft on perfect dark yeah that is true they are yeah and i've heard like square enix's western studios are not doing very well financially and then i've heard people speculate that oh that means the Square Enix is planning to sell the Western Studios to someone else, and Microsoft is, to Square Enix's, I guess, benefit, willing to buy studios. And, and honestly, that makes a lot of sense, too. If you go back to the uh, launch of the Xbox One, you had the Tomb Raider exclusive, right? Yeah. That was timed, timed exclusive, I believe, but yeah, I mean... They've had they've had some um, definite uh, flirting with the idea, I think. Yeah, I mean they've already let IO go, and they even let them keep Hitman, which was kind of kind of shocking to me. Yeah, really, really was. Yeah, I think Crystal Dynamics not not hitting on um, Avengers quite as hard. That makes a mm. lot of sense. Yeah, I, f- I always forget that Crystal Dynamics is the one that handled it. They're not handling the Wolverine game. Oh, who who is handling the Wolverine game? Isn't that um the guys who Sony? are making Spider Man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Sony. That's a Sony team, I think. So right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know they're. Yeah, I don't. Even, I can't even keep track of what's going on with Avengers anymore. <laughs> Crystal Dynamics might be the game, or it might be the might be the studios. Um, See, my 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 answer to this question is always Sega. By the way, oh yeah, I know everyone loves to say the <laughs> the, the Microsoft and Sega it, thing. It's the only way Microsoft's ever going to sell in Japan is to like brand themselves as the Sega console. I, f- I find it interesting that like two hardware manufacturers have two very distinct advantages for acquiring Sega. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the entire time we were talking about Nintendo buying Sega, I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And this was my thinking. Yeah. Um, and there's been, you know, rumors about Microsoft buying Sega. They're buying Sega. They're not buying Sega. They're talking. They're not talking. Well, I think it all I think it all comes from when um, Microsoft joined the industry. Right. Yeah. They were a partner of Sega's when they gave them a windows ce for the dreamcast yeah on that little sticker right on the front of your dreamcast (laughs) yep (laughs) but yeah so they've always kind of felt like the sega console so i definitely would not have thought crystal dynamics um one that i think is outlandish um but would qualify as big um would be like EA or something silly like that. <laughs> like, I think every company under the sun has been rumored to be being purchased by Microsoft at this point. So, like, you know, I, I'm sure EA has thrown been flown to that rumor mill before. A few years ago, it was Capcom, and Capcom would be yep. the fantastic purchase for them and would force the Japan doors to open a bit because... They're not going to give up on Monster Hunter. They're not going to give up on these things. But the realisticness, I don't think Capcom will sell. Uh, Although, the funny thing about Capcom is uh, I believe they do not have any protections from being bought out. They removed them. 
No, that's funny. Yeah, about about three or four years ago, I believe that the the board removed those purchases, and then everyone started talking about Microsoft buying them, and then uh, Monster Hunter World came out and sold like crazy, and everyone stopped. Yeah, you know it's funny because again, uh, all three of the major manufacturers have reason to want to own Capcom if it came down to it. <laughs> like, yeah, they're huge. They're a huge deal. Capcom yeah. is one of the biggest third parties I think in the world right now. Yeah, I mean just just Monster Hunter, Street Fighter, and Resident Evil alone. Yeah, just just having those on your system as an exclusive first party would probably net you twenty million. Yeah, twenty million I mean, unit sales. I mean, I know the golden prize in this situation would definitely be Monster Hunter, but um, Resident Evil is pretty big too, especially yeah. the movies and you know the IP itself is is pretty big. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, so that would be kind of kind of interesting. I, I the reason I thought EA is because if you think of giant ass company, you know, oh, I, yeah. I I will think of EA. <laughs> it would be good to have Bioware back though. Yeah, it would be. I think it was. I was actually thinking of it from the perspective of sports releases, like licensed sports releases. Yeah, no, that's why it makes it ludicrous. That's why it's. Yeah. That's why it's insane. But yeah. uh, Bioware themselves, that would be really interesting to have on uh, Microsoft's team with all those other Western RPGs. They basically own the Western RPG market at that point. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of, and in terms of the sports thing too, like. Microsoft doesn't give a crap if they have to make versions of those sports games for other systems. They'll do it. They already do it for, yeah, for some other own releases. Um, but uh, so. I think they're forty billion or something like that. Yeah, that's something ridiculous like that. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to touch them. Yeah, I mean that. That's on the level of someone buying out Activision. Yeah, yeah. Which is also would be a choice. Hey guys, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, this was a great episode. And I hope everyone's had a lot of fun with all the different topics here. Hell yeah. Does anyone have any last things they want to say? Or um, The only thing I want to say is just a reminder that if you want to check out the future Nintendo hardware and technology um, discussion speculation forums, you can find them on Reset Era and on Femi Boards, and I'm sure there will be links to in the description if you're watching on YouTube, so you can access them. And basically, watch the thread. And they'll take you to the uh, the OP, the opening posts. Please read the opening posts. Yes. <laughs> Deck Hill spends a lot of time updating these. Uh, you're going to get a lot of information, and if you... Uh, you know, go a week without checking them, he'll have it updated. Trust me, he's great at this. Um, I guess all that I will say is um, if you enjoy Nintendo and all that fun stuff, um, I also have a podcast. It is the Nintendo Pipeline podcast. Uh, that's with me, uh, One Up Muffin, and Mina over at uh, the Nintendo Pipeline server, formerly Nintendo Era. Um, so I would. Uh, Maybe recommend you check that out. You can find us on uh, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere where podcasts are. Um, and and otherwise, if you want to hang out with us, we do have uh, we do have a Discord as well. Um, 
which I'm sure can be made available in some way. But <laughs> we've had a lot of people join recently, so. Uh, but yeah. All right, and uh, you can find this episode and uh, following episodes every week going forward right here on this YouTube channel or this Spotify channel or wherever you're listening. Thank you guys very much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hope to see you guys, so take care. Yeah, definitely. That was fun.